I'm also in preparation right now. We're getting ready to do a message on uh, basically spiritual warfare. And uh, I'm spending a lot of time just really pressing in on that, just getting hold of what the Father is saying. Um, because as we start to open up this series, it's going to be really quite incredible. Um, and, you know, I just want to get the preparation done before we start, um, you know, because it's such an important topic. Um, you know, many people are uh, challenged with how the enemy is attacking them. They're going through difficult times. They don't know how to respond in the midst of attack. Uh, when people come against you, when the devil comes against you, you know, our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty in the pulling down of strongholds. And, um, you know, it's it's a major part of my life, understanding spiritual warfare. But the other day when I was sitting down, just uh, going through things, getting ready to uh, just prepare this series of messages you know there was so many angles and so many ways I could have taken the topic that you know I thought you know father what are you saying to me what do we need to deliver because we are not called to have a spirit of offense and the reason we're not called to be offended and angry because it's no longer I that live but it's Messiah living in me you are not alive I don't care about your opinion and what you think we are called to be servants of the Most High, and we deliver the counsel of the King. We are called to deliver the counsel of Messiah, and that's what we need to be speaking out. That's what we need to be delivering, and many keep people get caught up in their own agendas. And, you know, this is where we get problems in the body of Messiah. Uh, you've got people uh, trying to handle things and many times handle things in the wrong way. And it can get rather frustrating in the flesh, but we've just got to submit to the things of the Spirit. Let the Ruach HaKodesh deal with it and, uh, you know, start engaging in spiritual warfare. And, you know, we talked about the, the armor of Elohim you know, that we see in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to break that down as well, more than likely this coming week. Uh, we're just going to have a week on spiritual warfare and uh, just keys for overcoming. But there's so much that we have to do when it comes to warfare. There's so much. You know, many of you just think, well, you know, just just sit back. No, because the battle that goes on in your mind is vitally important and you know you can see victory or you can be defeated very quickly with what's going on in your mind and how you handle situations if we are walking in maturity as the spirit we can take the different things that are coming against us from Hasatan and we can align our lives in the right way so we can respond correctly you know we don't need rebellion but we need uh, to submit to Yehovah. So tonight, um, uh, you know, as I've been studying the Word all day today, there's, you know, I've been enjoying myself in the book of Isaiah chapter 40 to 48, um, as I'm just refreshing over those portions of Scripture that's talking about the restoration of Israel. And in that portion, it talks about Judah, it talks about Israel. And, you know, this is 700 years before the Messiah. And, you know, you've got uh, in chapter 40, you know, you're dealing with uh, the, the exact word of who uh, John the Baptist is. He is the one uh, preparing the way in the wilderness. 
And, uh, you know, that's where it starts. And we start to see the plan of restoration for the land. Once you get into 49 to 60, it starts, or 49 to 58, I think it is, you're starting to move into another realm where we're dealing with salvation, the Messiah. Um, But 40 to 48 is we're dealing with the restoration of the land. We're dealing with the sin. You know, who who, who is... uh, Israel, who who is it talking about in those portions? I am, I am the first and the last. We see in a few occasions exactly what we see in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 8. I am the Aleph and the Tav. Some of it's, you know, Alpha and Omega. Um, but he's the Aleph and the Tav. He's the beginning and the end. Hallelujah. But for for all these things to fit together, we've got to understand who we are in Messiah. And another portion of Scripture that I was just, I uh, found myself meditating in today was in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So, you know, I didn't really want to do any notes for today. I just wanted to come on. I just wanted to share a little bit about uh, the importance of chapter 15 because, look, let me tell you something. I get so fired up uh, when I start sharing the gospel of the kingdom. It fires me up. It just sets me on fire. Every time I share the gospel, the importance of the gospel, it brings transformation to my life. It just sets a fire in me because that's my passion that we can communicate the gospel. And what is it about the gospel that we need to know? There's many false gospels. Listen, many people have sold themselves out to false gospels. We're missing the key elements of the resurrection of Messiah. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that's what we're dealing with, the resurrection. So we're just going to read, you know, I don't know how far we'll go with this. I'll just keep my eye on the time there. Uh, We'll just read chapter 15 and we'll just pull some things out of this because we have got to fine tune in the area of the gospel. And I encourage you, always keep the gospel before you so that we recognize, you know, how much we are forgiven. When you realize, you know, (laughs) Look, your righteousness is as filthy rags. My righteousness is as filthy rags. I, you know, what a blessing. What an honor that while we were still in our sin, the Messiah, he paid the price. You know, we are made alive in Messiah. That's what we see in verse 22. And that's what I just wanted to put down as the header. You know, we are made alive in Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. Hallelujah. You know, um, you know. sometimes we just start to get really sleepy in our faith because we get so caught up in, uh, in legalism. We get so caught up in, uh, you know, trying to uh, work out everybody else's salvation. And instead, we've got to keep coming back to that place where we're working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, we've got people that think... Uh, you know, that it's important on how they judge others and a lot of the times they're not qualified. But when we come back and we look at the resurrection, the power of who the Messiah is, we start to realize the power of the gospel. So let's read a little bit here. Got the old glasses here again so that I can see what's going on here in my Bible. Um, And hallelujah, thank you for supernatural healing of my eyesight that I will not need glasses very soon. Amen. All right, let's read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received 
and on which you have taken your stand. Hallelujah. You've received the gospel and on which you have taken your stand. We have got to take our stand with the gospel. So when you hear a different gospel that's being preached, if you're taking your stand, it means you understand the gospel. You can communicate it. You know, for those who are coming back to uh, the Torah, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, identifying the Hebraic roots of our faith and the importance of the Hebraic roots of our faith. Why is it so many people stop witnessing and evangelizing and outreach? Because they don't know what the gospel is. They're concerned over what is the gospel? What, you know, is it they just say the prayer after me? Is that the gospel? You know, what is the gospel of salvation? What does it look like? And in this portion of scripture, what is Paul doing? He is emphasizing the importance of the resurrection. This is vitally important. This is the gospel. Hallelujah. Verse 2. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise you have be uh, you have believed in vain. If you don't accept the resurrection of Messiah, his resurrected power, then you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as uh, of first importance. <coughs> the Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, verse 6 uh, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some of them have fallen asleep. Now, you know, this is 25 years after the Messiah is taken up. This is 25 years later uh, in the timeline of when this portion of Scripture is written. And there was many people still alive. You know, this is historic. Yeshua rose from the dead. You know, the Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection. The, the Sadducees, they're like, oh, we don't believe in the resurrection. You know, but then here comes a whole group of people trying to deny the power of the resurrection to disqualify the gospel of the kingdom. And that's the gospel we're talking about. It's the gospel of the kingdom. Hallelujah. So verse, uh, where are we at? Then he appeared, oh yeah, uh, some of them are falling asleep. Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. You know, why is he saying that? Because of where he came from. You know, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. You know, he he operated in so much sin. He persecuted uh, believers. He was there holding the jackets of those who stoned Stephen. You know, he recognized the evil and the wrong that he did. And, you know, listen, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. None of you deserve it. And what I love about the humble heart of Paul. Yes, he delivers with authority in what he says. But what is he saying? You know, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Man, he, what is he saying? I need the Messiah more than any of them. I need the Messiah. 
I need you, Yeshua. Is that where you're standing today, that we get to the place where we need Yeshua? You know, stop preaching other gospels. You know, conspiracy theories and all these flat earths or, you know, just uh, coronavirus doctrines. and Stop preaching false gospels and, you know, things, you know... You know, look, some people think these things are important, but you know what? If we will just get lost in the presence of being about the Father's business, we'll bring transformation to our generation. And that's what we want to be involved in. We want to be involved in bringing transformation. Let's be those who are found in the presence of Yahweh. Why? What's going on in the world? We know it's going to happen. It says it in the scripture, you know, but we need to understand what day we are at. You know, what time is it? If we don't understand the gospel and the importance of the gospel, you will be out of time and out of place. You know, we're not getting ready for the tribulation period, you know. Um, you know, praise Yehovah for my brothers and sisters in America. But, you know, I'm sorry. There's been so much teaching in the body of Messiah to Americans that, um, you know, you, you've got people writing books on, you know, the king's... Uh, you know, the presence of America related to the kings. You've got the Hambanger, the Smita, you've got the Blood Moon uh, doctrines. Um, you know, every time people are getting to the, uh, the the Torah and the scriptures, they're all trying to find America in the midst of all of it. Is it Wall Street? Is it what's going on in the turmoil? Look, let me tell you something. You get to the end of the book and you start looking at Revelation. We don't have America as a superpower. And America is not the center of the message. The center of the message is the gospel of the kingdom. We are citizens of, uh, you know, of Israel. That's who we are, you know, uh, part of the commonwealth of Israel. So what we've got to do is we've got to get to the place where we, we look at what is the heart of the scriptures. And, you know, look, I don't, I don't want to go down some rabbit trail here with this, but, you know, as I've traveled in the nations, you know, I've been to so many meetings, especially in the early days when I saw people doing the Torah portions and they were trying to identify every element of it uh, to uh, how it related to America. Well, what would happen if the superpower of the United States of America was no longer a superpower? Um, would that shake our faith? Um, you know, what's going to happen in the land of, of the states? Are we going to see civil war? Are we going to see unrest? And these are things we've got to pray through. But when it comes to the interpretation of Scripture, let's align ourselves with the gospel. Let's align ourselves with the gospel. Verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the assembly of Elohim. But by the grace of Elohim, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of Elohim that was within me, whether then, um, um, yeah, whether then it was I or they, um, this is what we preached and this is what you believe. So he said, I worked harder than all of them. Why? Because to him who is forgiven much, 
He who is forgiven much will love much. You know, don't lose the love of Yahovah. Don't lose his love. We want to get to that place where we recognize who we are in Messiah. But by the grace of Elohim, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. His grace is not without effect. What are you going through this week? You know, as we're, we're going to start dealing with strongholds. We're going to start dealing with areas of how the enemy wants to attack you in the area of your mind to pull you down, to destroy you. You know, what is, what's the enemy looking for? He's looking for a place of peace within your life. You know, if, if you are meditating and going through, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the areas of deception, the, the, the areas uh, of, of deceit and, and pride and other things that the enemy is doing within your life, if he can deceive you away from the truth of what the gospel is and the power of the gospel. There is power in the resurrection of Yeshua because he has risen. There is power in the resurrection. Hallelujah. And we are a new creation. The old has gone and behold. I love that word. Behold. Everything is new. You are a new creation. The question is, as we come through the waters of baptism, will we get to a place where we will, you know, we will come into that wilderness experience and get delivered so we can walk into the true promised land, into the place of rest and the place of the provision of Yehovah. Listen, many people die in the wilderness because they don't deal with Egypt. They still walk around with the world's mentality. We've got to change who we are and, and conform to the image of Elohim. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. So, you know, focus on his mercy. Focus on his grace. And, you know, this is why I, I share on, on many accounts the importance of repentance. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving Yehovah. It doesn't matter. You know, you could be serving him for 50, 60 years. We still have to keep short accounts before our creator. We have to come to that place where we keep short accounts between Elohim and before man so that it will go well with us. These things are vitally important. Verse 12, hallelujah. But if, but, <laughs> but if it is preached that Messiah has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Messiah has been raised. And if Messiah has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about Elohim, for we have testified about Elohim that he raised Messiah from the dead, but he did not raise him uh, in if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, the Messiah has not been raised either. And if Messiah has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Messiah are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Messiah 
we are to be pitied more than all men. Wow, what a loaded portion of Scripture we have here. If Yeshua didn't rise from the dead, then your faith is futile. You, you know, you've got nothing to stand on. Why? We need the forgiveness of our sins. We need the blood of Yeshua to be poured upon the mercy seat in heaven. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what's taking place. Are you walking in the freedom of the resurrection of Yeshua? And, you know, in the midst of your accounts, in the midst of the things that you are going through, I want to encourage you. Recognize and receive the, the resurrection power of Messiah. You know, he has risen. He has risen. And don't don't forget it. You know, it's not just, well, I prayed the prayer. No, it's more than praying the prayer. He has risen. He came for a reason. He died for a reason. And his resurrection was so powerful. It was vital uh, to your salvation. So I'm just going to keep reading a bit, and then I'm, I'm going to hit on some key points that's not really preached about in most uh, assemblies today. Hallelujah. Okay, if only... For this life we have hope in Messiah, then we are to be pitied more than all men. It's not about this realm. It's about the heavenly realm. Hallelujah. It's about eternity. You know, we are walking in the eternal kingdom. Hallelujah. Verse 20. But Messiah has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Messiah all are being made alive. Hallelujah. In Messiah all are being made alive. What does religion want to do? It wants to kill you. It wants to take the life away from you. That's why Yeshua didn't come to start a new religion. He came to unite us to the Father. So why did he come and die? What was his purpose? He's dealing with the death sentence that came into the world because of Adam. That's why when we are born, we are born in sin. And we need the redemption power of Yeshua. So we see from, you know, just going back to the foundations of the gospel, because of what happened to Adam, what took place? Adam and Eve, you're kicked out of the garden. We've got the cherubim and the swords of fire. You can't come in and you cannot partake of the tree of life. Who is the tree of life? Yeshua. He is right there in the garden. You partake of Messiah and you will never die. Hallelujah. That's why we have got to be born again of the Spirit. That's why we stand upon His resurrection power. Hallelujah. So then comes along Abraham in uh, Genesis chapter 12. You know, uh, the Father didn't wait 4,000 years to bring forth the answer. No, the answer comes just a few chapters later, a number of generations later, through Abram, through Abraham. And here comes a promise. Abram, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to give you a land. Oh, hallelujah. Adam, you lost the land. But through Abram, I'm going to be in covenant with Abram. I'm going to uh, give him a land. And what am I going to do? I'm going to marry your descendants. Once the sin of the Amalekites reaches its fullness... 
I'm going to bring restoration to the land. I'm going to give you what? The promised land. Now, you know, it's more than likely it's on the grounds, Jerusalem is on the grounds where uh, the Garden of Eden was because we serve a God who is a God of restoration. Hallelujah. So he brings forth his provision at Mount Sinai. It's not just the commandments that are given. It is the ketubah. It's the conditions of marriage. And what takes place? Yeshua, the Mashiach, marries Israel. Hallelujah. He's right there in the wilderness as well. He is the rock that's bringing forth the water. Hallelujah. He is your provision through your deliverance. Hallelujah. We have to die a Messiah in, in the mikvah, in baptism in the Red Sea. We have to die and we have to rise again in him. The resurrection is right there in Passover. Hallelujah. He's our Passover lamb. Let me tell you something. We need the resurrected power of the Messiah. This is foundational to the gospel. Why did Yeshua have to die? You know, you go back and read chapter 40 to 48 of the book of Isaiah, and what do we see all over it? We see redemption, and we see the importance of the restoration of the land. Why was Israel kicked out of the land? Because of their disobedience, because of following other gods, the Assyrians kicked them out from the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, which we find in Matthew chapter 4. And that's the whole reason why Yeshua came to the Galilee. He didn't go to First Street in uh, Jerusalem, penthouse number 101, you know, overlooking with a view of the temple. No, he came to the Galilee of the nations. Why did he go there? Because that's where the northern kingdom was expelled. They were scattered from that place because of their sin. And then Isaiah, you know, we're seeing uh, the warnings. If you don't get yourself right, Judah, you're going to be scattered and you're going to go into captivity. And of course, that happened. That's exactly what we saw in the time of Jeremiah. But it was prophesied. It was proclaimed. And also the words of prophecy were written to Judah and to Israel of the restoration. I will restore you to the land. So what do we see in the book of Jeremiah chapter 3? We see the divorce uh, where it talks about uh, chapter 3. Uh, verse 8 of chapter 3. Uh, sorry, it starts verse 1. If a man divorces his wife and she leaves him and marries another man, should he return to her again, would not the land be completely defiled? Would the land not be defiled? Deuteronomy chapter 24 talks about that. You can't go back and marry um, a, a wife who you've divorced from. But you have lived as a prostitute with many lovers. Would you now return to me? Says Yehovah. And in verse 8, it says, I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all of her adulteries. Yet I saw that her unfaithful sister Judah had no fear. She also went out and committed adultery because Israel's immorality mattered so little to her. She defiled the land and committed adultery with stone and wood. In spite of all of this, her unfaithful sister Judah did not return to me 
with all her heart, but only in pretense, declares Yahovah. But what does it say? I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce. So where did the wedding take place? It took place at the foot of Mount Sinai. This is the gospel. The only way for God to restore mankind into fellowship with him was to marry man. And that's why every one of us, when we are born again, we have to come into the covenant that we see in the book of Hebrews. And, you know, we also see it in uh, Jeremiah, okay? The, this covenant, it says, the time is coming. It's Hebrews chapter 8 as well, if you don't believe the Old Testament. Uh, the time is coming, declares Yahweh, when I will make a renewed covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Well, how can he get make a new covenant with the house of Israel? The only way we can have restoration is the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. Yeshua didn't come and preach the just say the prayer after me Jesus message. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. He said, I have come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I have come to bring restoration to the house of Israel. Praise the name of Yeshua. Book of Hebrews 8, verse 8 to 12. That's where you see that covenant. This is the only covenant that we have to be in faith with Messiah. So you have to be grafted in to the household of Israel. You have to be. You cannot be a Gentile Christian like many people think they are. We have so many lion spirits, uh, messianic lion spirits, supposedly, here in the land, telling uh, those of the nations, you're Gentile Christians and you've got to bless us Jews if you want to be blessed. That is not true. That's not what it says in Scripture. You are called to be grafted in to the house of Israel. There's only one gospel. There's not a gospel for the Jew and a gospel for those of the nations. The whole house of Israel has to come back and those of the nations will be gathered. Gathered those from the islands. Hallelujah. That's Scotland. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Yeshua. And all the other islands, those of the nations. Anyway, what do we see in the midst of this? We see the restoration of all, <coughs> of all things. He is going to put his Torah in our hearts and in our minds. I will be their Elohim. They will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother say, No Elohim, because they'll all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares Yehovah. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. Let me ask you a question. There is no sacrifice under the Levitical order that could get you to the place where he can say, I will remember their sin no more. Thank you, Yeshua, for shedding your blood. Thank you, Yeshua, for the resurrection from the dead that you have risen. Hallelujah. The importance of you being alive uh, is, yeah, is everything. And because the Messiah died, he is able to do what? Remarry the whole house of Israel. That's why Jewish people from the, the, from the southern kingdom, from the tribes of Judah and the rest, the other two, they have to come to faith in Messiah and be born again of the Spirit, as well as those from the other ten tribes. They have to be born again. 
as well as those from the nations. This is an invitation of those who are sojourning amongst them. And we see the grafting in that takes place as they come out of Egypt. All those who recognize the God of Abraham said, we're coming out. We don't want to live under the bondage of Pharaoh or Egypt anymore. We want to come out. We're foreigners in the land too. If this is how Egypt is treating you, you know, if you're not there, guess what? We're next, so we may as well come out with you too. There was many nations represented, and that's why we see the outpouring of the Spirit at Shavuot, at Pentecost. We see that people heard the gospel in their own language from the nations of the world. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Yeshua. So what are we? (laughs) For since death came through a man, the resurrection from the dead comes also through a man. For if in Adam all die, so in Messiah all will be made alive. But each in his own turn. Messiah, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come uh, when he hands over the kingdom of Elohim, uh, the kingdom to Elohim the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Now, what's important about what's what's been said here? For he must reign until he uh, until he has put all his enemies under his feet. What what's it saying here? Then the end will come. When he hands over what? The kingdom. This is the gospel. So this is, he is made alive. This is the resurrection power. This is the hope that we have in Messiah. But each in his own turn, Messiah, the first fruit. Then when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom. So he is going to put all of the enemy under his feet. Hallelujah. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says that everything has been put under his uh, under him, it is clear that this does not include Elohim himself who put everything under Messiah. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that Elohim may be all in all. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those uh, do who are baptized for the dead? Now, that's an interesting statement. If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? You know, what does this statement mean? You know, you've got the Jehovah Witnesses, you know, oh, if you get saved, now we'll baptize all your dead family, um, you know, to make sure that they have eternal blessings through you. Is that what it means? I don't believe that's what it means. I believe what it means is those who have gone before you, their testimonies, their testimonies are bringing forth life into your life. Now, there is no resurrection. What uh, will those do who are baptized for the dead? We are baptized because of the testimony of those who have died. And because there's a resurrection, they will rise first. Hallelujah. And we will walk together with them. I die every day. I mean that, brothers. Just as surely as I glory over you in Yeshua, the Messiah, our Elohim, If I fought wild beasts, 
in Ephesus for merely human reasons. What have I gained if the dead are not raised? (laughs) What have I gained if the dead are not raised? He is paying his price because of the testimony of those who have gone before him, because of the testimony and the resurrection of the Messiah. What does he say? As for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? Look, if I have to die for this message, I'm willing to pay the price. Why? Because I believe in the resurrection power. I'm going to rise up. It's not just about this realm, you know. If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. What's the point? Where's the hope? We need the hope of Elohim. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning, for there are some who are ignorant of Elohim. And I say this to your shame. Hallelujah. So what, what is it? You know, don't hang around bad company with false gospels preaching the wrong message. Stay in the lane of preaching his resurrected power. And as I minister to the Jewish people here in the land, when I talk about the importance of the resurrection of the Messiah, it is radical for the restoration of Israel. What does it say in Deuteronomy chapter 18? Moshe says, there is one coming like me. You must listen to him. If you don't, you'll be cut off. And and that's in Torah. If you disobey that passage within Torah, you've disobeyed the whole of Torah. And what an opportunity we have to open up the power of the resurrection. Why did Yeshua come and die so he could remarry Israel? Hallelujah. I just want to go to deal with the marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 Wives, submit to your husbands as to Elohim, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Messiah is the head of the... And I don't know what's in your translation, but in mine it says church, but that's a mistranslation. He is the head of what? He's the head of the ecclesia. Okay? It's the assembly. His body of which... He is the Savior, salvation. Now, as the Ecclesia submits to the Messiah, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife as Messiah loves the assembly and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant assembly, the ecclesia, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Messiah does the assembly. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Messiah and the assembly. If it was the church, then we have a problem. The gospel doesn't fit. 
if Christ marries the church, and this is what I was taught, you know, growing up. I was taught that God the Father married Israel and the Messiah married the church. Well, if that's true, first, first point, you can't have a conflict with the gospel because the son cannot marry the father's bride. So Yeshua can't bring redemption to <coughs> Israel or to the Jews um, because the northern kingdom was divorced. Uh, if he is marrying the father's bride. So when he died, the marriage covenant with Judah broke. So in Jeremiah chapter 3, we see the certificate of divorce to the northern kingdom. When Yeshua wept over Jerusalem and he died and he gave up uh, his life, you know, we see from Romans chapter 7 that marriage only stays in place until one of the parties die and then you're free from the marriage covenant. Who would have imagined that the Messiah would come and die so that he could remarry Israel? Hallelujah. So this is profound. It's a profound mystery. But I'm talking about uh, Messiah and the assembly. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Hallelujah. So what are we doing? We're laying a foundation of the gospel of the kingdom. And that's what we saw right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 22, uh, 24. Then the end will come when, the hand, when he hands over the kingdom. So in the midst of the resurrection, what are we seeing? We're seeing the importance of the link to the, to the kingdom. Hallelujah. We are called to be grafted in to the kingdom. Hallelujah. All right, well, look, that's just what I want to share. I'm not going to go on and read the rest of the chapter. You know, look, I encourage you, go read the rest of chapter 15. I just want to bring this small encouraging word to you today. And just, you know, Father, we thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for your resurrection power. Thank you that I am made alive in Messiah. Thank you that you took away my sins. If there was no resurrection, your blood was not shed for me, and therefore I'm lost in my sin. But I give praise and glory to the name of Yeshua that you did pay the price for me. You paid the price so I can walk in freedom, and I rejoice in who he is. I rejoice in who you are, Father. I thank you for the fruits of the Spirit. I thank you for the blessing of your resurrection power that we are alive in you. And Father, I want to pray for those who are watching right now. You might be going through some hard times and you might have got disconnected to the power of Messiah dwelling within your life, that you are a new creation. The old is gone and behold, all things are new. And I pray, Father, for my brothers and sisters, if there are those who are watching and they feel like they are separated from you, then I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the grace that was there to rescue a sinner such as Paul, to rescue a sinner such as me. Father, will you give me revelation that we don't have to walk in condemnation? It doesn't matter what you've done. Will you take the time to receive his grace? Just call out and say, Father, I'm sorry. I want to walk in repentance. Forgive me for the things that I have done. 
And this week we're going to deal with strongholds. We're going to start dealing with the areas of the mind where the devil feels so comfortable in your life. Our Messiah, he was crucified at the place called the skull. And we need to walk in the renewing of our minds. We have got to come out of the wilderness. We have got to come into the promised land, into the kingdom blessings that the Father has prepared in advance for us. And I'm not talking prosperity message here. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking, you know, you're going to face persecution. You're going to face opposition. You're going to face all those things. But you are not called to be a victim. Hallelujah. You are called to be victorious. If you know your heart's right, if you know you're living right, you can stand on the promises of Elohim and declare his victory. You just stand. When you've done all to stand, you stand firm. And, you know, we're going to hit on the, the armor of Elohim. It's not just about saying, okay, Father, I put the belt of truth. I want to ask you a question. Are you walking in the truth? The breastplate of righteousness. You can't have righteousness unless you're walking in a righteous way. Oh, we're going to deal with some things. We're going to deal with some things to set the captives free. It is time for us to cancel the assignments that the enemy has in your mind, especially when you're on your own. What's the enemy saying to you? You're no good. You're not going to amount to nothing. You know, just look around at how God's using that believer, this believer. They've been saved five years. Look at the things you're doing. You've been saved 15 years and you, you know, where's the fruit in your life? Listen, if you're going through battles, if you're going through challenges, if there's strongholds and you don't know how to get victory, you don't know how to get free, we're going to start dealing with some issues because we're going to start applying the grace of Elohim. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for your grace. His grace is sufficient. You Look, you're going to fail. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to make wrong decisions. All of us, we're not perfect. You know, that's why we should be living a life of prayer and fasting, you know, and keeping short account before the Father in every aspect of our life, every way that we know that we can. It's vitally important so that we can pull down those strongholds. We can take those thoughts captive. We are not going to believe the lies of the enemy but we're going to walk in the victory of Messiah. So focus today on his resurrection power. Do you need the blood of Yeshua? Do you need the victory? You are born again for such a time as this. You're a new creation. The old is gone and behold. Behold. The old is gone and behold all things are new. Yes, receive receive a renewing in your spirit right now maybe you're the stronghold the enemy is lying to you he's telling you you're no good and i want you to know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made the father cares for you the son cares for you he paid the price for you <laughs> he loves you and just as a husband loves his wife the messiah loves the ecclesia he loves the assembly he loves you don't think for one second he doesn't care for you. You might feel that you're full of filthy rags. Listen, your righteousness amounts to nothing. It doesn't even hit a scale. There's no scale. Your righteousness, zero. 
It is Yeshua dwelling in you that's the hope of glory. The Father sees you through the Son. So come on, apply the blood of Yeshua to your life and say, yep, you know, (laughs) agree with your adversary, you know, on the way. Who's the adversary? It's the devil. Why? Because when it comes before the judge, you will always fail. Why? The judge is Elohim. So when the devil tells you all this stuff that, you know, you're no good, you know, yep, I agree. But in Messiah, hallelujah, (laughs) I am a new creation in Messiah. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. We are made alive in Messiah. I hope you're blessed and encouraged with this message today, this Sabbath. And, uh, you know, look, uh, what was I going to say? I can't see the feeds. All the feeds have just crashed. I don't know what's going on with this uh, technology. And um, the feeds have been gone for a while, so I I don't see what you're doing. So just give us some thumbs up. And, uh, you know, if you're blessed and encouraged with this message, then I just encourage you, share it with others. We need the resurrection power. You know, it's by your fruits that we will be known. It's not by the fruits of what people say. It's by the fruits of the Spirit dwelling within our lives. How do we deal with life? Well, first, we need to walk in the resurrection power. We need to see His power manifest within our lives. So when difficult times come, when pressure comes, you have the victor living in you, and you can overcome. So I hope you're blessed and encouraged with the message today. If you have a testimony or a prayer request, I put my uh, email at the the top of this message in the uh, comments section or in the the description section. It's Kenny. If you're listening on podcast, it's Kenny at bulldozerfaith.com. If you want to support the ministry, listen, this is a great time to give to Bulldozer Faith. You know, especially with all the things that were going on last week and things that were released, you know, about a week ago where, you know, uh, some individual decided to tell everybody that you shouldn't give to Bulldozer Faith. You know, I encourage you, let's give. Let's Let's give generously to the ministry of the gospel to make a difference. If you're blessed and encouraged through the ministry, through what we share, then I encourage you to give. If you don't have resources right now, that's okay. You share your prayer requests with us. We will stand and pray with you. You know, we are funded by those who want to give cheerfully for the purpose of, you know, bringing the kingdom to this generation. Thanks for standing with Bulldozer Faith. Thanks for standing with me as we minister the gospel. And uh, look forward to seeing you tomorrow as we start opening up on spiritual warfare. Okay, till tomorrow, shalom, or Shabbat, shalom. Hallelujah.